Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And I was trying to prepare a show that would cover some of the nonsense that I see being published today. I was talking about mental health, and uh, it's a psychologist who thinks that, you know, that we need to get... The, the New World Order and all this stuff together and our government institutions to come together to help unite us to, uh, to, to save us. They actually put out a video, a paradigm shift towards, uh, ecological restoration by Ann Davis, who I've read some of her work all the way back to 1978. So she's been around a long time, but, uh, she, uh, you know, she's got all kinds of degrees, and she teaches in college, and she is full of a bunch of nonsense. And so, of course, we've been studying John, and John talks about the Logos, which is right reason. And she sounds very rational if you don't actually know what she's talking about. And, of course, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But uh, I thought it would be an interesting thing to go through some of the things that she said, but she's so all over the place. I mean, she accepts so many things as fact. Uh, back in 1978, she was writing about uh, rural health departments in, in places like Wyoming. Rural, In order to be a rural caregiver, <laughs> so to speak, in uh, 1978, she did reports that suggest that mental health professionals in rural areas must have special skills and qualities, such as the knowledge of rural politics and power, the ability to develop relationships with key community members, and and the sympathy for local values and norms. Of course, she's talking about Wyoming Department of Health. Or at least the report that I was reading was about Wyoming Department of Health. And they're quoting her work. And uh, it's a 81-page report that came out a long time ago. It's a Smith College report. It talks about the common belief that people who see a therapist or a psychologist are crazy. A study of mental health care in Wyoming, and it was written by Julianne Joy from Smith College, and she quotes uh, Miss Davis uh, quite a few times in her synopsis. Uh, there was uh, Barry and Davis actually did a number of studies, and they're quoting those studies, and uh, you can see that there's a condescending approach to. These poor people in rural areas that you that you're going to need special skills in order to deal with these people. You know, it reminds me of a statistic that I just saw. I've seen it before. I know it's true that you know the United States can rate like uh, number two or number three or number four in gun violence worldwide. Of course, those statistics are not really accurate. 
because you're who's gathering those statistics worldwide? How are they gathering those statistics worldwide? What are, what are they using as? I mean, they don't all have an FBI that is doing monitoring in all these different countries. You don't even know how many murders take place in a lot of these countries, and how many murders take place at the hands of government. I mean, Argentina used to have hundreds of people out in front of the government almost every day trying to find out what happened to so-and-so, what happened to so-and-so. And occasionally they'd find their bodies floating in the river somewhere. But they were last seen being picked up by the government. <laughs> and, of course, all those murders are going to be counted in gun violence. But they're violence on the people because the people had no guns. I mean, if we want to talk about gun violence let's, or violence on the people, let's go to China. How many people get arrested in China and you never see them again, never hear of them again? They just flat out disappear. Those aren't covered in the statistics uh, that we see for gun violence in America. But that was not where I was going with the gun violence in America. And, of course, I have other articles uh, like Measure 14. I, I have articles showing that, no, violence decreases in a society that has more guns. Very clear. And it, and if you go to America and you cut out, just say, the top five uh, cities in America reporting gun violence. You know, Chicago and, and some of these, uh, Detroit. Uh, and you cut them out. You cut them out of the statistics. We're like 100 down the line. Why is that? Because the people out here in the rural America who supposedly need all this mental health care from uh, Miss Davis are uh, and shun mental health aren't killing each other like they are in the cities. <laughs> They're not perpetrating. They have more guns than you can count. But we're not shooting each other. Now, I will say... In rural America, suicide is on the rise. But what is the cause? Is it because of a lack of, a lack of psychologists? No, it's not a lack of psychologists that's causing this. It's not because we don't have well-trained psychologists, which remind me of another story. A lady down the road, she's had a divorce. And I think she was having her second divorce. And so she thought she needed to go to a psychologist. So she she went to a psychologist in the northern part of the county. And she goes to the psychologist. And she says, I don't know, is there something wrong with me? This is my second divorce. And uh, why, why can't I have a stable relationship? And the psychologist immediately advised her that, oh, that's no big deal. I've already had three divorces. <laughs> so the psychologist is going to help her deal with her divorce because she's already had three divorces. So this may go to some element of the Bible that says a minister should not be a chosen as a minister unless they are the husband of one wife <laughs> and that they their family is in some kind of an order. You know, some kind of, you know, pattern of, you know, good job. Your kids are grown. You, you've, you've 
you've got a stable marriage because they shouldn't be a minister unless they have that. Well, and we see this in, in Timothy and Titus, you know, where it talks about what kind of ministers should you have. So that that is a really good question. What kind of minister should you have? Well, I had this conversation just recently with somebody. Actually, I've had it several times recently, so we might as well record it. If we're going to go through John, John understands a lot of the pitfalls. The Gospel of John certainly has a more feminine perspective on the Gospel than the other three Gospels. And I say more feminine because they're dealing with issues that would concern women. I mean, you've got the woman who's going to get stoned because she was caught in adultery. You've got uh, women going to the tomb and running back and giving information to the apostles and not being believed. So I guess it was a problem even then. You know, you're supposed to believe the woman, but they didn't believe her, and they said the Lord is risen. <laughs> oh no, we don't believe that. So, and there are a number of other. There's quite a few little little tidbits that you're seeing things from a sympathetic woman perspective a number of times in the Gospel of John that you don't necessarily see so much in Mark, certainly. And not as much in Matthew, although Matthew talks about, you know, Mary and the virgin birth. And although we have in John also, Mary is telling Jesus, you know, they're out of wine. And Jesus says, woman, what would, it's not my time yet. And, and she says, you know, just do what he says. Like he's going to do something because she wants him to do something. <laughs> so the dynamic of women. And the power and influence that they had was a real thing back in these primitive societies. This is another conversation that I had when you read books, period pieces, such as Sense and Sensibility or uh, the Bronte books and uh, Jane Eyre. These are about strong women and how they deal with the situations in in life. And... Men and women were not at each other's throat. They were working as a team. They couldn't survive in those day and age unless they worked as a team. And some of the things that I mentioned this morning and mentioned in uh, posts that I've made on Facebook about how Americans are being poisoned on a day-to-day basis by the food that you buy in the store. It's gotten worse and worse over the last 10, 20, 30 years. And you you, you have people uh, selling you food that you really shouldn't be eating, that are bad for you, that are toxic. And people don't even know what a good diet is. But years ago, the, the woman who prepared foods... And she didn't just prepare them by, you know, opening up a box mix. (laughs) But she actually was preserving and preparing food and preparing meals that would make the difference between life and death in those systems of health. 
you know, what what food, you know, that she's growing the garden, she's tending to the animals, uh, animals are getting butchered. Now the men, you know, if you're going to butcher a large bull, the men are going to be the ones that are doing it. Probably not the woman. I, I remember the story of a woman whose husband was badly burned. I th- I think he actually even eventually died from his burns. They lived in a cabin way up in the north woods. I think it was in Canada or Alaska. And uh, she had children. And uh, there was a fire and he got badly burned. And he couldn't do the things that she was very dependent on. So she had to go out and shoot the moose and butcher the moose and get the meat back to the house to survive through the winter. And she did these things. And somebody was interviewing. I remember it was a live interview. And talked about, like, you know, the woman power. You know, it was a very feminist uh, actress. Uh, and uh, she says, you've proved that a woman can do everything that a man can do. And this older woman looked at her and said, you know, you could see that she was absolutely puzzled by it. And she said, well, there's an awful lot of heavy lifting in this world. (laughs) And she was pretty much saying, no, no, a woman can't do everything a man can do. And, and, And that's true. But it doesn't make them at enmity with each other. There's things that a woman can do that a man can't do. And this is very important, but we're losing track of that in our modern society. And of course, it, it appears very much that way with the woman. Uh, I haven't gotten into her personal life. Mostly I've just been reading the things that she writes and the things that she is suggesting and the condescension she has for people in the country. You know, World War Two, we would not have won World War Two if it was not for the people in the country. My father was in the military before World War II broke out. And uh, he had joined the military. He was in the horse cavalry. So that shows you how far back he was when he joined. And he was an officer in the horse cavalry. He was on one of the last uh, force marches with using horses and the last, you know, bivouacking uh, command charge in, in the horse cavalry. And then they, after that, they went all mechanized. I won't tell you the story, but it's a hilarious but fascinating story of why it wasn't going to work. Now, the Poles were discovering this on the battlefield. Americans fortunately figured it out <laughs> before they took the horses to World War II. I mean, we were still using horses in World War I, but by World War II, it wasn't going to cut it. And... Uh, but the reality is my father ended up being a commando because of his training with horses. And commandos were still using horses and mules mostly to because they're working behind enemy lines. And you can't be driving jeeps and everything behind enemy lines. So you had to have something like a mule that would kind of blend in. And uh, so he was able to do both. And so he ended up being in a lot of these strategic uh, early you know, battles. But, uh, times change. But the human nature doesn't change. You know, you can move from using mules and horses to using cars and uh, mechanized transport. But human nature is the same. 
And what what people are doing is getting away from nature. This is one of the first things that you see. I didn't understand it the first time I read it in Exodus where it said that they remove people to the cities. And uh, I thought it was like, get them out of the country. Get them away from farming. Get them away from nature. So that they become, you know, as I heard a lady talk about how she, her fiancé was going to take her down south. And she said, where people are dirty. <laughs> and the, the, she was asked, well, where are you from? New York. Well, people are dirty in New York. It's just a different kind of dirt. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, people have this impression they don't they don't understand. What they don't understand they they villainize almost. And I could do the same with Miss Davis. But I don't want to villainize them. And this has been a part of the conversation that I've been having lately with people is that you do not want to villainize or vilify the people who are perpetrating this reduction in liberty. I mean, Miss Davis thinks, oh, we need to depend upon the government institutions. They're kind of fractal now, and they're, they're diverse all over the place. And we need to bring them together to organize them, because we have a resilient planet. We need to fix this. We need to fix this planet. We need to fix uh, the, the, the biology of it. Of course, she the paradigm shift towards ecological restoration. You know, and she starts off, you know, climate change refers to the long-term shifts in temperature and weather patterns mainly caused by human activities, especially the burning of fossil fuels. Well, already I know she's delusional because there is no evidence anywhere anywhere at all, that the change in temperature that we have seen lately, which is actually not that dramatic, actually nobody's modeling, none of the models are that are actually showing what they're predicting with the models. They've all failed, except some of the models in the Soviet Union have not failed. They've actually been somewhat accurate in the Soviet Union. But their models don't predict the disaster that poor Miss Davis thinks is coming. This climate change refers to the long-term shift in temperatures and weather patterns mainly caused by human activities, especially burning of fossil fuels. That's totally fiction. Totally fiction. And if you if you were to post that on uh, Facebook, you'd probably put on a list and you're going to probably, but it is there is no evidence, none. And the the all the stuff that people hear these talking points, you know, I've looked into it. I've read the studies. It it doesn't exist. They don't even claim that. That they, they ponder whether human activity has some effect on the increase of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. But what most people don't realize, the increase of carbon dioxide actually has caused the planet to green more. We have more green areas in, in the world today. Deserts are shrinking. 
because of increased carbon dioxide. And, and if you go back far enough in history, you'll find where the carbon dioxide in in the world was way higher than it is today. And it was green everywhere. Lush, far lush, more lush planet. Now if we increase the carbon dioxide, and, and I don't think you could do it with burning what they call fossil fuels. That's is a misnomer to call these fuels fossil fuels. It, it it doesn't actually pan out when you actually do the studies. And I've been studying uh, geology for 60 years. I was reading geology books 60 years ago. <laughs> and archaeology books, because they, they kind of go, both of them require you dig in the ground. I do a lot of digging in the ground over the years. But, uh, yeah, they she's totally delusional. But what she is calling for is going to cause the death of millions upon millions of people. Now, she's not going to bring it about, but she's just one more person spousing this ridiculous narrative, talking about, you know, the accumulation of CO2 in the atmosphere is time-dependent. Accumulation of anything in the atmosphere is time-dependent. But you do know that CO2 is being converted by plants who need CO2 in order to survive. We're actually... The the low amount of CO2, which is really very small. I mean, we're talking, you know, like less than a percent of the air is CO2. If it got much lower, we would actually start seeing plants die off. Plants would actually start going dormant. And they wouldn't be producing. The more CO2 you have the better off plants are because they they breathe in CO2 and turn it into oxygen and carbohydrates and a lot of other things. That's why they call it carbohydrates. But any And there are a lot of scientists out there who understand that we need CO2. That there are a lot of pollutants that we don't need. And uh, we, we, we actually, in America, they have been scrubbing most of the serious, dangerous pollutants that are created by the manufacture of different things. We've been scrubbing them out of and not dumping them into the water. That didn't come about simply by government regulations. It came about because people took up arms and did something about it. And they used the courts. But, you know, in the last... 50 years, we've actually seen our access to the courts decrease. Which is why this morning I talked about Patrick Henry and the Two-Penny Act. That they overturned the king by a jury of 12 men. Stopped the apostate church from oppressing the people during a time of drought and climate change, (laughs) which we have every year. We always have climate change every year. But people don't understand how it works. What's driving the temperature is not the CO2. And there's plenty of evidence that will show you this if you go look at the actual data. But people aren't looking at the data. Their mountains of Samaria is people like Miss Davis who doesn't know what she's talking about. 
I mean, I actually have a picture of her on my big screen right now because I've I froze one of the videos and, and it's a scary picture. <laughs> I thought about doing a screenshot and putting it on the page that I was creating. I'm not going to go through everything that she says, but I just read a few quotes. But that, you know, she she talks about that we can produce something and put it in the landfill with no impact. Not true. You can't put something in a landfill with no impact. There's impact. Anytime you move anything, there's impact. But she goes on to say, it also assumes instantaneous equilibrium. No, it doesn't. (laughs) You're making this stuff up. So there is no time involved in mainstream economics, whereas accumulative CO2 in the atmosphere is time-dependent. That's just that's just babble. That is absolutely babble. Uh, I, I know people who work in landfills. I I know the engineering of landfills, line landfills, unlined landfills. The way we used to do it, the way we we're doing it now. New systems of landfills that actually are putting a lot of the refuse in and then generating methane gas and running electrical generators with that methane gas that they're generating in the landfills so that the landfill actually becomes a source of energy from your trash. And and it's a real thing. It's a real, where you can, you, you can do that. Far better than you know what's going in landfills, many landfills now, is propellers to wind generators that should have never been built, would have never been built if the same government she wants to empower didn't subsidize those windmills. Because the windmills aren't practical. They're not a green energy. Not in any way, shape, or form. If you do the math, if you, you add up the amount of Carbon steel used in making these giant windmills. The oil, 500 gallons of oil in the, the, the braking and lubricating system of one windmill. That has to be put up on that giant tower. And, and then the braking system. What, what's in those brake pads when they're spinning and they have to start braking it? If the, the braking system breaks, that thing is going to go flying apart. Because they're poorly engineered. I mean, they're amazingly engineered, but not to fit the environment in which you're putting them. But you know what is really well engineered? Man. Man and woman. Mankind. They're remarkably engineered. More more complex than anything you're going to find anywhere in all the industries combined. And I've seen some pretty amazing equipment that men have come up with and devised, and I'm impressed. But the engineering of the human body, of the human brain, of the human immune system, just shocking the complexity of it. Men who are scientists, atheists, studying the biology of a single cell in a human being become believers in God because they realize this is intelligent design. 
the city just created itself. And so the the atheist who really studies science becomes a believer in God. But then, what is God? Now somebody somebody just wrote me on Facebook named Snow. He's on a group. And he doesn't like me. Because <laughs> he says, you know, uh, I, I could probably actually read you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll find it here in a second. But uh, anyway, he, uh, okay, he says, uh, Christianity has nothing to do with religion. Now, I know the guy. I know why he says that. But so, you know, my question was, you know, does it have anything to do with pure religion? <laughs> and uh, I don't know. These guys, they they snark at you, but then they try to block you so your stuff doesn't show up to the rest of the people. But the reality is, oh no, it's there. But pure religion isn't just pure religion. So you can say, I practice pure religion. It actually affects the human body. It affects the human mind to practice pure religion. It changes you. It, it, will, it will draw you closer to what we talked about this morning, the Logos. If you get closer to the Logos, which is right reason, when you hear people like Miss Davis... And there's a lot of other people that, you know, because I was reading Miss Davis, I also ended up reading John Cyril and Alan Ryan and Mary Poovey. And Mary Poovey, you know, she's she's actually getting out of her element. She knows she is. And she starts talking about mathematical models, which, of course, you can go over. You know, she's talking about in the economics and finances in relationship to women, because she's another one of these kind of woke people. And uh, she has quite a reputation, not being liked by some people, but I don't dislike her. But she talks about offering three observations about models in general. And she's talking about economic models. Because she's, she's getting venturing over into mathematical models to kind of figure out, you know, where we are supposed to be standing. She She's written books on the evolution of the property relation, understanding the paradigm, debates and prospects, Palgraves, Macmillan, uh, money as a social institution, professors of the humanities, but they're all dabbling in these other areas that are really outside of their area of expertise, which is, okay, I do it all the time. But the fundamental nature of humanity, of mankind, is the same today as it was yesterday. That nature doesn't change. Live in the rural area, live in the city, it doesn't change. But the way in which we react to the world around us may change. Because we may lose a part of the faculties that make us human. We're supposed to be the rational animal. But like I was just saying, the scientists who were atheists, not all of them were atheists, but many of them were atheists when they came out of the universities. 
But then as they get into the research, studying, especially biology, but other things as well, physics, etc., our article on the mass formation of psychosis, which you can look up at Preparing You. You just look up Matthias. He sees it, and he's, he's done a study of it, and observed that scientists who are atheists, the more and more they study the subject of their expertise, whether it's physics or biology or whatever, the more they get to a point where they realize to understand the complexity of the nature of things, I have to access this thing we call inspiration or revelation. You know, the the singularities, the some sort of divine intelligence, the unmoved mover. Because they can't figure it out. If I just stay with my rational, you know, brain, stay in the tree of knowledge. I cannot figure it out. You go to, you know, philosophers like Kant and, and many of these others, they were trying to understand by reason, at the beginning of the age of reason, there were a lot of guys out there doing that. But, you know, you need to tap into something more than your rational mind. And that's what the Logos is about. It's tapping into that thing that's more than just your rational mind. Now, the conclusions that you get when you tap into the Logos will still be reasonable. And and when you finally understand why they're reasonable, you you will be amazed. But you don't get there by studying, by going to college, by reading book after book after book, where you make the real leaps and progress towards right reason is when you surrender your own willfulness to whatever the willfulness of God is. The will of God. I say willfulness. God has a will. That's how creation came about. And he has a will for you. He has a desire for you. Christ expressed that, that you might be saved. How do you increase that opportunity to be saved? That potential to be saved. How do you increase that? Well, how do you decrease it? Well, covetous practices decreases it. So, the way to increase it is the reverse of covetous practices. If you want life, if you want wisdom more abundant, you want life more abundant, you want to be filled with right reason, you have to lay down your own willfulness. And one of the ways to do that is to care about others as much as you care about yourself. Now, the people like Miss Davis, I say Miss Davis, I think it's Miss Davis, is that she wants to believe that she cares about other people. And this is where I'm going to lay out some of the, you know, the, the things that stick up, the flags that stick up. She supposedly cares about other people. So she wants to empower the institutions of government, the same institutions that just let you down during the COVID crisis. And we see it just unfolding before us, for those of us who are willing to see it. That they're saying, oh, you have to do this. You know, if you get the vaccine, it just stops. <laughs> you can't get it. You can't give it to anybody. You know, these are all the things, the talking points that they were throwing out there. 
And now we know they're all false. Shutdowns were a bad idea. They caused more people to die of suicides. Because people lost their purpose. They, they lost contact. Uh, you know, it is absolutely essential that people see the face of other people. It, it creates a connection. You know, this is why we talked about Capgras. You can go look that up. If you don't get that recognition, when a baby looks up at its mother and sees its mother's face, never saw her before it was born, heard her voice, but never saw her face, because the voice is going to be more deeply tied. If you know, And, of course, a child that's deaf or a child that's blind who never sees those things, they're deprived of that. But what happens? Other senses become magnified because they take the place of those senses you don't have. So what happens when we're cut off from the tree of life? Then we become more subject to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because now when we're cut off from the tree of a revelation, let's call it the tree of revelation, the tree of the Holy Spirit, then other senses become more dominant in our life. So how do we go back where the revelation becomes more dominant in our life? Now, Mr. Snow thinks that, you know, that he's a Christian. He he has actively campaigned to have me removed from those few groups that I'm on that he's also on. <laughs> but that's, you know, I, I that's, that's fine. That's what he wants to do. And, and if they want to kick me off the group, they can. So far, they haven't followed. They can't, he can't figure out why is me clearly unchristian because I mentioned that Social Security is, the system of Social Security is the same as the system of Corbin set up by Herod and the Pharisees. It's social welfare through men who exercise authority. And Christ said it was not to be that way with us. We weren't to have benefactors who exercise authority one over there. Of course, Moses said the same thing. That you were to create altars. Everybody knew what altars were back then. They knew what the altars of Sumer was and Ishtar. They knew what the religion of uh, Egypt was. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't this goddess and this god and, you know, the crocodiles. And those are just the images that they had representing a system of religion where the treasury of their system of social welfare was granaries. Temple granaries, where they deposited grain. Because the, the temple granaries, you could trade the grain for whatever else you need. It was used as money. Because in that dry climate, it kept. And if you put it in granaries made of stone, where mice couldn't get into it and everything. And, and even if you went to the Teutons or, or over to the Celts in England, they would bore holes all the way into the mountain, deep caves into the mountain, and fill it with grain. And then plaster over the mouth of the cave. The cave was at a particular angle. They would plaster over the mouth of the cave with thick clay. And that clay would mingle with the the, uh, the, the grain that was right there on the surface of this hole bored in. And then 
and then it would begin to sprout and even ferment because when it sprouts, it turns the carbohydrates into, you know, the complex carbohydrates into sugars and before you know it, bacteria starts to grow in that. And, and what does it do? It produces that nasty gas, CO2. <laughs> the, the CO2 is produced, but it's trapped inside the cave. And so it, it's heavier than oxygen, so it moves down into the grain. It doesn't fill up the whole cave with carbon dioxide. It just increases the carbon dioxide. And what happens? The bugs die. <laughs> So, if there's weevils in there, if there's, you know, things that will bore into and destroy the wheat, it kills them. And the wheat is preserved. Somebody figured out how to do that. How'd they figure out how to do that? Trial and error? How'd they even know what was going on? Just the right angle, going down, so that the carbon dioxide would accumulate in the tunnel. How did they know these things? Revelation. They figured it out. Somebody had revelation about it. They understood things a lot more than we think they did. So, the granaries, that was religion. That was how you take care of the needy of your society. We know that. James tells us, pure religion is taking care of the needy of your society, unspotted by the world. What world is that? The constitutional order system of government that exercises authority one over the other, but calls themselves benefactors. It's right there in the text. We know it. You guys who listen all the time, you know it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they say it right out. We're not to be that way. Mr. Snow thinks you are supposed to be that way. He thinks he's saved because he loves Jesus. Hates me. But he loves Jesus. <laughs> you know? So, I should send him this recording. <laughs> I might do it. There, there was another guy who, you know, I when I first saw the video that somebody sent me of Mrs. Davis... Bob Podolsky didn't like my comment, which was, this is nonsense. I mean, I didn't even know where to begin. There was so much nonsense in what Mr. Davis is saying. You know, because he may believe in global warming through human activity. He doesn't believe in the sun. Because <laughs> the sun is what drives temperature. Real meteorologists, the accurate meteorologists who have written a book on meteorology, know that it's the sun that drives temperature on this planet. And it warms the seas and the currents moderate things because, I mean, we have these real cold currents way underneath the ocean. It's been very mild this year. But I can tell you, I just was standing outside with somebody the other day and I said, you can feel the breeze. Our breeze normally comes out of the north. But you can feel the breeze is coming out of the south. And it was 50 degrees in January in the high desert at 4,000 feet. So is that because of carbon dioxide? No, it's because the wind is out of the south. It's coming from California. It's still kind of cold. It's not as warm as it is in California. But it just came over snow-capped mountains. (laughs) And it is the middle of winter. But it's very mild. I got grass growing all over the place out on the desert. That's really good. We just had a drought. But you, how do you understand these things? Well, some people study. But again, it comes back to our mountains of Samaria. The mountains of Samaria, because remember when we were studying Exodus and, and the ancient prophets, they talk about the mountains of Samaria. 
And Samaria is about truth. So the men that are delivering truth to you. Now you think, well, you know, Brother Gregory's rambling again, so now we're over the mountains of Samaria. Well, what were we talking about? Ministers. Who's the minister? If you have a congregation of ten families. So, who is the minister there in that ten families? That you, your eleventh person is your minister, theoretically. As we throw that, that term out there. It means servant. But, if, if you had these ten ministers, one of them was a blacksmith, one of them, uh, or, or congregants, one of them was a blacksmith, and, and another one is a cheesemaker. You know, blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> so, anyway. And, and another one, uh, you know, he has a wife and, and ten kids and he just can't believe how good his kids are. And, and uh, somebody else is uh, trying to think, maybe he trains horses. And, okay, so now you have a question about training a horse or making cheese or or... I have a, one of my kids is a problem and I'm trying to figure out how to deal with him. What, what should I do to be a good father or mother to that kid? Well, who do you go to? Well, you go to the guy with the best kids. If you're having trouble with your horse or your mule, you go to the guy who's the best horse trainer. And you say, what do you think? And then you may go to another guy who's wasn't a very good horse trader, but you notice that he's starting to really learn the trade and you go to him. Because the guy who's really good, he may do things by second nature. He doesn't even know what really makes a good horse trainer. But the guy who had to struggle at it, he knows. Because he had to re- make realizations. So you may go to him. Matter of fact, you can go to anybody. You can go to the cheesemaker and ask him about your kids. <laughs> Because you're all ministers. We have to minister one to another. Every one of you is a minister. But yet we have this one guy, we call him a minister, a diaconus in the Greek. Well, he's the minister of ten. But he may not be the best one to ask about health. He may not be the best one to ask about you know, marital problems. He may not be the best one to ask about raising kids. But he's still the minister of Tim. But what is his job? You remember, see, you have to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. And you have to care about people you don't even know as much as yourself. So you need a network that reaches outside of your comfort zone to help those people in Galatia and Corinth and Ephesus. Or Arizona and Australia and what have you. You have to be just as concerned about them. And you know, you also have to be concerned about poor Ann Davis. Who's deluded. And actually thinks that global warming is caused, man, human caused. And she's accepted that. But she hasn't read the literature on it. She, oh, she's read the, you know, basic reports that they let us have but she probably thought COVID was a problem you know COVID only killed people with multiple morbidities and why did they have multiple morbidities most of them it's overweight or they might be 85 years old I actually know a lady who 
She lived beyond a hundred. She got it and got better. <laughs> she has now passed away, but she was over a hundred. And she was bright and alert all the days of her life. Seemed to be losing hearing a little bit. But, uh, you know, death faces us all. But, you know, like I mentioned Mary Povey, you know, offering these three observations about models in general and, and people are creating these models. And she's dealing with finances and, and social models. But she noticed that the people who are doing the economic models are talking in mathematics and that's a language of its own. So she had these three observations about models. And the first, as all of my examples, she says, I'm quoting her, make clear models abstract from immediate experience and observe particulars in order to generate simplified, manipulatable simulations of actual conditions. In doing so, they alter not only one's relationship to the real, but also what could count as knowledge about the real. So your models are altering your perception of the real and your knowledge about the real. And of course that's what's happened, is that they've created these models. None of them have accurately accurately predicted what the weather was going to do next. I mean, we're supposed to be all swimming because the poles have already melted. I mean, we're 2024. They were all the polar bears were supposed to be dead back in 2020. Didn't happen. The models were off. Models were wrong. <laughs> it, it doesn't. They're altering your perception of the reality and, and your knowledge about the real. What warms the planet is the sun. If you got up a little earlier in the morning, you know that. <laughs> That's that's what warms the planet. It's not carbon dioxide. And guys who've gone back and done the ice cores, they show, yeah, there, there's some sort of correlation, but there is no evidence that there's causation. Something is happening that is increasing carbon dioxide. At the same time, it's cre- increasing global warming. So if the sun is delivering more energy to the planet, why is it doing that? What was also happening on the planet that may have killed off, you know, most of our oxygen comes from the ocean. There's more. That was another thing that Miss Davis talked about, how trees are all disappearing and going away. There's more trees now than there was 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Way more trees. Yeah, she didn't know what she's talking about. Yeah, we're logging them, but we're planting them. <laughs> and the more carbon dioxide you have in the air, the better those trees will do. Yeah, she doesn't get that. She doesn't get that. But back to these three observations. The first is is that your model can change the way in which you deal with the real. And your knowledge of the real can be altered by your model. And of course that's what's happening with the, all these models that prove to be faulty models. She's saying it's difficult to understand these models. She's, of course, talking about financial economics because it's talking in this other language, mathematics. 
But that's the thing is when you translate into another language like mathematics, especially amongst people who say 2 plus 2 equaling 4 is racist, that's coming out of the same crowd, that mathematics, you know, being punctual on time is racist. No, it's not racist. It's being on time. That's what it is. But see, they're altering your reality and your perception of reality. And and that will actually alter reality. So they say that after not only one's relationship, alter not only one's relationship with the real, but also what could count as knowledge about the real, because the models are both performative and recursive. So what does it mean to be performative? And recursive. Performative is relating to or being an utterance that performs an act, and this is, I thought this was amazing, or creates a state of affairs by the fact of its being uttered under appropriate and conventional circumstances. As a justice of a peace uttering, I now pronounce you husband and wife, at a wedding ceremony, thus creating a legal union, or as one uttering, uh, I promise, that thus performing the act of promising. So, that's what they mean by this uh, idea of performative. But then what is recursive? Recursive is of or relating to something that is repeating a process so that the output of that process at each stage is applied as an input to the succeeding stage. And so it's, it's, it's almost algorithmic. It's going to change something farther. Kind of like the way voting machines operate. <laughs> Too many votes come in for this one guy. It shifts some of them over to the other guy. Because, you know, you want to be fair. You want... As Mrs. Davis would say, immediate equilibrium, you know, where everything works out because we're going to, we're going to thwart nature and create everything to be equal. No, you're not. You're not going to do that. Because uh, things aren't equal. Nature will do that. Not your formulas. N- not, not your, your, you know, your models. They're not going to, your model is not going to change nature. Your model is like you're trying to describe something with mathematics. But the mathematics doesn't make it so. And for that fact, when the preacher says, I now pronounce you man and wife, that don't make it so either. What makes it so is that you actually are man and wife. And of course, I've had this conversation recently enough that... uh, if you get married in the state, the state is a party to your union. But if you get married in the church, I mean a real church, not the church that Snow goes to, but a real church, the, the church is not a party to the union. They're just recording it. And your models should just be recording it. Now, you can run your models through computers and hope and see, well, if I run my model through this You know, I add in all these temperatures. If the temperature goes up this way, if the amount of carbon dioxide goes up this way, and then what we know the next step is going to increase more of this, and 
we're going to get a different result. Well, the problem is all their models fail. What immediately comes to mind is Ferguson's model of how many people would be dead for COVID after the 30 days after it hit a particular county. He's talking, you know, hundreds of deaths. That it was going to be so lethal. Now, there could be a disease that comes along and is that lethal. I mentioned Brett Weinstein's interview with Tucker Carlson and he brought this up. Of course, I've known about it. Other scientists knew about it. Montagnier, Luke Montagnier, he, he talked about this. That people who get multiple shots of the mRNA vaccination, and now don't get panicked or anything because there's all the shots weren't the same. It's very clear that different batches were producing different things and God can turn their evil to good if you do what I'm really talking about, which is repenting and going the way of Christ. Because you're actually going the way of Christ and not just saying you believe in Jesus like some people do and think that they're Christian, but you're actually doing the will of the Father. And of course we know the will of the Father is that you don't covet your neighbor's goods that you don't murder your neighbor, you don't take a bite out of your neighbor, which is like a petite lapita, uh, morte, you know, the little death. I didn't kill him. I just took a bite out of him. <laughs> I just made him have to work harder to pay the taxes so that I can have free stuff. Because everybody collecting Social Security today, collecting Medicare, Medicaid, and all these things, they're getting those things from a government that's been bankrupt since 1933 and before. And you can't get one single benefit from that government without forcing somebody else to pay for it. And right now we're at such a bad stage, every benefit you get is being, you're cursing your children with the debt of that benefit. Your children are going to have to pay it off with their labor because... Your children are all back in the bondage of Egypt, thank to your parents and yourself. And, of course, it's going to bring destruction. But it's also an opportunity for salvation. But you have to actually start doing what Christ said. Because, and you can't be doing what the Pharisees said, which is what the modern church tells everybody they can do. The modern church tells you you can covet your neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority one over the other. And you just come to church and then we'll sing some songs and say some prayers. I'll tell you how you're saved and how Jesus loves you. But if you need anything, just go to those men who exercise authority. And they'll they'll take something away from your children or your neighbor or you know maybe some other country and, and they will provide you with the benefits you need. We don't we don't practice pure religion in Christianity anymore. Snow says it doesn't have anything to do with religion. But he has something to do with religion. Because all his benefits, his benefactors, is coming from public religion. From those men who exercise authority one over the other. That Jesus said we were not to be like. But he is like that. Now I know, I'm not faulting him. He was probably never really taught the gospel of the kingdom. He was taught some sort of gospel from some sort of church. Maybe some of those Anglicans that uh, that uh, Patrick Henry had such a problem with. He, he did have trouble with some Baptists at times, but he he wasn't against Anglicans or Baptists or Presbyterians or any of these things. 
He wanted to know the whole truth and provide for it. He was against the Constitution. But I, I, I talked briefly this morning that they talked about the fact that uh, somebody had said that he died alone and nobody liked him anymore. But I showed right in the year that he died, <laughs> George Washington wanted him to run for office, and he did, and he won hands down. And uh, at the same time, Adams, who was a good friend of his, wanted him to become the ambassador to France. And so he wasn't alone. He wasn't rejected. He went home to his family and got sick and died. And I even told you how he got sick and died. But uh, all that's a matter of record. But people, their mountains of Samaria are a bunch of liars. No wonder they're under a strong delusion. But they they can't see. I, I, I noticed that the video of Anne, you know, Davis, very dark. At times it looks like she's almost sitting in a room that's dark. And, you know, but she does, she doesn't get it. She didn't get it. And and I could go through, but like I was saying, this uh, Mary Povey, who's quoted her, and they've met, and they've, they, they're kind of in agreement on a lot of things. I don't know. They might have some disagreements. But it's all a part of the same school that's been teaching your children and writing your textbooks. You know, to say, well, I'm not going to send my kids to that university. The textbooks you have in your public school, the textbooks, Books you have in most of your private schools today were written by these, you know, I'm quoting Ann from way back in 1978. So these people have been writing your textbooks. And, and they don't have to change everything. You know, like Snow thinks that Christianity has nothing to do with religion. Well, it doesn't have anything to do with false religion or public religion. But it does have to do with taking care of the needy of your society unspotted by the constitutional order and system of government that forces the people to contribute to the welfare of their neighbor by men who exercise authority, which Anne Davis thinks is a good thing. But Christ thought it was a bad thing. But Christ could heal people. Now, a lot of people aren't going to believe that. I believe it. I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can heal people who will receive the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus was constantly, when he healed somebody, he says, your faith has saved you. What was your faith? You're willing to receive the Holy Spirit. So the truths that I'm talking about, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but I'm circling, I'm circling the airfield. <laughs> so that you, you see... You know, the, the, the potential for righteousness in your life, unless you are gathering together with an earnest effort to sacrifice for others to whatever degree that is on your heart, you're not going to receive the logos, the right reason. You're not going to understand what to do. But the more you do that, the more available, the Holy Spirit will come to you. So, I, I also, back to uh, Mary Povey and her second uh, as models of incorporated and are organized by mathematical principles and mathematical form 
which they call the syntax, increasingly dictates the way that the economic or financial content, which they call the semantics, can be understood. This increases the potential for simplification and clarity in the model. But it also means that the rules of mathematics dominate one's experience of messy economic financial transactions. Well, you know, the messy conclusions that they come to with global warming is that when you actually go back and look at the data, take it take it way back or just take it back, they usually don't want to go back past a certain period. But you can do the ice cores. And they say, well, wait a minute. Carbon dioxide was here. And and the amount of snow and coldness was here. Well, what, what's the deal? And the warmth was here. And the melt was here. How, how could that be? It's not like carbon dioxide increases and the planet gets warm. That's not what the record shows. It's So something happens... And carbon dioxide increases and the planet gets warmer. But there's actually a lag in the increase of carbon dioxide. And what is that lag from? What What is actually going on? They're all speculating. And so what they call messy is what I used to call phenomena. That they can't explain, well, our formula goes off here and it doesn't fit here and it doesn't fit there and everything. And so it's kind of messy, but we know that the increase in carbon dioxide is causing global warming, and the increase in carbon dioxide is man-made. And we're going to run out of fossil fuels anyway. All of that's a lie. I mean, we might run out of oil and gas, but I just said that you can create a dump that of garbage that will create gas. <laughs> Methane gas, which you can burn and generate electricity with. There are inventions, amazing inventions, that we can come up with. But, and, you know, we could share them with the whole world. But, why? So that people may be more selfish, more self-indulgent. And what what they're planning is to decrease the world's population. And they they think that's a good thing. And somebody has convinced them that that's a good thing. But they don't know what convinced them. They don't know what's driving their thinking. They they don't know what has caused them to be so callous. They not only don't care about you, they want you dead. And they are absolutely willing to kill a billion people or five billion people to save the planet. You see, that's that. the reality is that we could have 11 billion people on this planet and not have hardly a fraction of what we call pollution. And even what we cause and call pollution, we could turn around and turn it to something good. You can actually scrub smokestacks at a sawmill that's generating electricity with its waste product. But you can scrub the 
stacks, so almost nothing comes out but water vapor. And then you can take what you scrubbed out of that, which you use the electricity you were generating with your your mill. You you can take the stuff you scrubbed out and actually turn it to things like carbon fiber that are stronger, lighter, longer lasting. But you have to have that desire to make things work. And you have to care about other people in the process. And people haven't always cared about other people. And this is when America was polluting considerably through industry. Where did that come from? It came a great deal because of the ultimate success of humanity and people stopped caring about their neighbor as much. And, you know, you could... You see, just these isolated people who come along and they actually care about their neighbor and they make a huge difference. But what I see happening, you know, like we we talked about the other day, is that they're making... Uh, they're, they're trying to pass these laws to make the Internet safe. But they're actually going to make the Internet safe from the truth. Because the power to regulate the Internet will be in the hands of the people that are already regulating the truth concerning COVID. And the reality is, is that that mass formation of psychosis that took place under COVID that caused... Billions of people to get vaccinated. China did not vaccinate their people with mRNA. Uh, we saw the videos that, you know, where people are supposedly sick and dying and they're welding people in because this is super dangerous. All those videos were photo ops to come over here and play in America to create fear here in America. So all the Americans lined up for multiple booster shots. And if you listen to Brett Weinstein, is a microbiologist. He deals with, you know, this historical biology of mankind. I think he's wrong in a lot of his conclusions, but he's right in his idea where, because, like I said, it was put forward by a lot of other better scientists than him, that multiple shots will break down your immune system so that when another disease comes along, maybe another design disease comes along, it you know, the IGT-4 is turned down in your system, which is part of your immune system. It's turned down so it does not react as well. And, it, and so your immune system may be introduced to a new virus and it doesn't react. It doesn't it does. It, you can't obtain natural immunity anymore because they broke down your system, so it's not going to function. So they don't have to introduce a virus. Also, you know, if they affect your diet, if they affect uh, your sleep patterns, if they add fear and anxiety, if they cause you to shut down again, like you know an EMP or something like that, you will have an inability to cope with the common cold, with almost anything. And and people will be dying left and right. And when you start seeing that taking place, all they have to do is shut down your banking, shut down business. They can shut down power. They can do all kinds of things. I mean, we have tens of thousands of Chinese coming into this country. 
We don't know if they're a fifth column. So they could create all kinds of disruptions. And they've already got, you know, uh, I guess 200 million Americans vaccinated, many of them multiple times, with mRNA, which we know we've seen the phenomena of breaking down the IGT-4 uh, in your immune system. And there's nothing you can do about it. Well, there is. If you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you start that caring about other people as much as you care about yourself. Then some people, and then you start networking together, connecting together. Ten families. Pick a minister. Not to rule over them. Not to guide them. And of course, I see that in some of these home church groups, like Snow is. They don't want a minister who leads them and controls them. Great! Great! You shouldn't have. Even the people that are ministering to each other in the congregation, they're not telling you you have to do it this way. They will share what they have found successful. Everybody who is a Christian wants you to follow the Holy Spirit, but it has to be the real Holy Spirit. And James, the same one who talked about pure religion, saying, by their works you will know them. By their fruits you will know them. And so what are their fruits? Is it good health? Is it love and peace? Is it a network so bound together that the union and discipline actually frightens the New World Order? They don't want you to form that group. And see, when you start to form that group, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to protect you. If you want to know this Ann Davis, and I don't want to pick on her because she is not alone. The humanities are brainwashing children by the millions in these universities. And they are creating a really strong delusion. And to get these kids to break free from the the ideas, it will take it will take a considerably powerful force. But the more we create a network, the more we come together in congregations, the more we start dedicating ourselves to get this idea that we have to start quieting our own minds to hear God in our hearts, reaching out to other people to help them, be a blessing to everybody around you in the community, uh, even the people who curse you and, and you know, uh, despise you. You know, you have to accept that and forgive it. And uh, so anyway, I thought I'd, I'd drop the, uh, this is the and, I think that's the video that Anne is in. But, you know, when I was first listening to it in the background doing other work, because I wouldn't just sit there and listen to her, I would hear her say this thing, and I would hear her say that thing, and, and another thing, and I'm thinking, like, I mean, how do you even begin? I don't think I can argue her points, uh, because it's just so much nonsense. You know, like, where do you even begin? And she's not going to accept it. If you tell her, well, no, there isn't any man-caused global warming. It doesn't amount to anything. It's not changing anything. And carbon dioxide is good. It's greening the planet. It's making the planet uh, a much greener place. We know that. That that shows it. We can take pictures from space and analyze. There is more growth. And the Sahara Desert is shrinking. (laughs) 
And uh, so more carbon dioxide is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not, it's not doing any damage whatsoever. Whatsoever. And yet they, they feed us this. But COVID was just the flu. Now, I admit that it was probably a manufactured flu where the spike protein is going to do real damage to people. I believe that. And it did do real damage to people. It damaged hearts. It damaged, but if you had allowed your natural immune system, most of the people that got severe cases of it were elderly or aren't going to do any more reproducing anyway. And uh, the young were almost totally unaffected by it, which I thought was, that was a godsend. And so it wasn't, but you know, right now uh, in America, our hippocampus has been shrinking for dozens of years. What's causing that? Because that, that's your ability, when that shrinks, your ability to, for rational thought decreases. What's doing that? And it's probably a combination of things. Fertility is dropping. Sperm count is dropping. Uh, in, in America for a variety of reasons again why is that we, we've seen it in Europe we know we can connect it to some of the vaccines it's, it's very clearly that some of the vaccines are causing this sterility some of the chemicals that are in our environment a lot of the things that are in our food is not good so we should be creating a network that includes like I said somebody was asking for dairy milk I, I don't know why they wanted the dairy milk, but we didn't have it available. The fact is, there's all kinds in uh, dairies in Oregon where you can go and get milk, but you need to know them. They don't trust anybody who just walks in. So we want to create that network. That everybody doesn't have to become a part of His Holy Church. There's the extended network. We go out there and support community-supported agriculture. We go out there... And connect with people. And we be the Christian in the room. The light in the room. The forgiving person in the room. Uh, the person not cussing and swearing. Not, you know, blaming everything on, you know, the other guy. But actually becoming a part of that solution. And, and we do it as a network. We do it at, as a group. Sharing with everybody else. This whole idea of of living not just for ourselves, but living for others, not wanting to take a bite out of one another, and and you you see that amongst a lot of people, where they don't want to be a burden. That's a good thing, but you have to allow people to help you, because that's a good thing too. And there are people who are afraid that they're going to become a burden to other people. Well, that's good that you don't want to be a burden to other people. But you want to help take care of one another and be there for one another. And that's something that we have to practice. The The other thing that I told you I was talking about was Patrick Henry. I, I did a lot of translating of the Peshtida and uh, somebody else has already translated it and so I got a copy of that. And... Uh, and it's written in the Syriac Aramaic. And uh, what I, what brought my attention to it is the reference to the fact that it talks about Joseph being the husband of Mary in Matthew. 
which I think is Matthew one sixteen. But in the Peshitta, the word there is father to Mary. And of course, you know, then you have to go over and look at Luke. There's always been this discrepancy. Luke is giving us one and and the other, but really the people get lost in the weeds of these conflicts between this text and that text. And, you know, like poor Mr. Snow misses that we need to have a daily ministration of pure religion. When religion is simply how you take care of the needy. And uh, Sumer took care of the needy. Rome took care of the needy with free bread and circuses. But Rome provided that free bread, as we've seen, by killing a million Gauls and selling their wives and children into slavery. And... You can't get a benefit out of the federal government today in America and most countries without cursing your children with more debt. And we see it every day. They tell you on the news. But people aren't making the connection because they're under this strong delusion that they're saved because they say they believe in Jesus. Yet Jesus says not those who say, but those who do it the will of the Father. And it is not the will of the Father to covet your neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority one over the other. Yet your modern Christian thinks that's okay. Well, your modern Christian isn't a real Christian. He's a fake Christian. He's a deluded Christian. So now that we know that, what are we doing to counter that? And again, it comes back to gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So I never did get into John 4. And if you go to my page for John 4, preparing you, you'll see that I don't have nearly the footnotes in this. (laughs) But uh, I did go through it enough to put in, you know, Jesus and the woman of Samaria. Uh, So who is the woman of Samaria? And of course, like in the Old Testament... We know that when they're talking about from the mountains of Samaria, here they're talking the city of Samaria, but they're talking about the truth. I am not beyond thinking that these parables and these events, which are literally almost parables, they may have actually been events, are bringing into, because of the way that that prophecy comes on these multiple levels. I mean, John the Baptist said that you're supposed to be take care of one another through charity, through sharing, free will offerings. And Jesus talks about it through love. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And then using the same word we see translated love that Jesus uses, we see Paul using it, and he's translating it charity. And he's saying, above everything else, charity is the most important thing. Because charity is sacrifice. And if you're coming in the name of Jesus, you're coming to sacrifice. And, you know, so... And again, you know, with this Samaritan woman, that uh, he asked her for something to drink. And if you understand the culture, that was a huge jump. But we're we're not going to get into that. I'm not going to keep you guys alight today. Get together in your congregations. I've seen congregations kind of break up because, you know, somebody is thinking an idea that doesn't quite fit what we should be all doing. But don't be the cockroach in the room that runs out. Stay together. Make that a priority to stay together and try to have patience with one another. 
and communicate with one another and share with one another. I did listen to, uh, you know, the Brett Weinstein with Tucker Carlson and also the Russell Brand one. I, I had listened to that already. It took me like three days to listen to it because I'd play it in the background when I'm doing something else. I can't just, I don't have the time just to sit there and listen to it. But uh, we have to move from being the parasitic network, the selfish network that the world has created to becoming givers of life. And we can start that in many different ways, in many different levels. But it's going to take a lot of overtime, but it's also going to take the grace of God to do that. Uh, but until then, I just want to see everybody be healthy and take care of one another and to be at peace. And until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.